an AppleViz original. Hello there, and welcome to the AppleViz Extra. It has been a while, but we are back together to talk about Apple's peak performance announcement today. Scott Davert, have we got you in peak performance today? Oh, I'm I'm definitely doing peak performance today. I had a nice extra cup of coffee. I am ready to rock and roll and talk about this thing. How about you, Dave? I am great. Thank you very much. And yeah, ready to go. Thomas Donville also joins me. How are you, Tom? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yep. I'm with Scott. Rock and roll time. <laughs> Exciting times. And Tyler, how are you, buddy? <laughs> we know it's not baseball time. <laughs> I'm pretty good here. Good stuff. Good stuff. So we had, yeah, an event today. Uh, Tim Cook out on stage. And they were right into it. Did you guys notice it was like, no preamble at all today. He was like, welcome to Apple. Okay, so let's start with Apple TV+. Plus." <laughs> Immediately he was in there. And the big announcement, I suppose, from the Apple TV Plus part was um, Major League Baseball on Friday nights. I'm not American. I don't watch baseball. What do you guys make of this one? I think they struck out because, well, MLB's on strike. <laughs> so that was kind of like, it's kind of like uh, very bad timing. You know, like they took over a year to after the pandemic had gotten underway to introduce all these uh, FaceTime features, you know, being able to send it to Android devices and that sort of thing. And now they're kind of off on their timing a little bit with the baseball thing too, because they're on strike and have been, I think since December, if memory serves. So who knows, is that even going to happen? Let's hope it won't be another air power. Exactly. Because that could be a whole year, but nonetheless, to the point, I thought, I was, wow, Apple doing exclusive for Friday night baseball. Um, yeah, that's going to be pretty kind of sort of big here. Um, that I don't know how big that's going to be, Dave. I, I'm really anxious to hear about this. I know they've been talking to our American NFL here, which is our football, um, not to be confused with soccer, but American football. And they're talking about doing exclusive rice for a night as well. So I kind of, I like it because I love watching baseball myself. So this is, I already have Apple TV plus, but are people going to flock to it? I doubt it, but you know, they were touting all the new Apple TV plus upcoming series and movies and stuff like that. I think it has matured. That is definitely a good platform to own. Um, I love it. I saw, so I love the MLB if baseball even takes off for this year. Bad yeah. timing. I agree with Scott. Yeah, well, to some extent, that's out of their control, I guess. But I do think it's interesting in the sense that they're getting into sports at all. So whereas, you know, baseball wouldn't be my own interest. But if that's a sign that, hey, next year, maybe they're going to try and get Premier League football or soccer um, or, you know, rugby or anything else, you know, is this the beginning of them dipping their toes into sports? And I think that could be very interesting. Amazon have obviously moved into that space um, as well. So we're just seeing more and more international competition in sports, which is, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering, because I saw a report a couple of weeks back that Apple was looking to dip its toes into sports, specifically to improve its Apple News Plus offerings. That was something that launched about two years ago um, to a generally lukewarm reception. And it hasn't really taken off much since then. I don't use it and I don't hear much about it. But I heard 
a while back that they were looking to get into sports so that as a way to enhance Apple News Plus with, I don't know if they want exclusive content or for people to pick you know their favorite teams and get more personalized material. I don't know, but that's, I find that interesting. Um, I, I'm wondering if that's, you know, this is Apple TV Plus, but I'm wondering if perhaps they're looking to gain a foothold in the sports world you know, to gain, to give them credibility to eventually move on to doing whatever they want to do with Apple TV or Apple news plus rather getting that, um, you know, getting improved sports content in a way to sort of differentiate it from other news services and make it more appealing than it maybe is today. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, you've got things like the athletic, which is now a huge organization, which is a, you know, a modern sports journalism platform so there is a definitely a market for that i think i think apple's going to get a lot of flack for this especially if you're right dave if you start getting into more of the sports you can only see it on apple tv plus i don't know why it just seems apple's just seems to be the easy target it's kind of like oh sure i can't watch this game i don't have apple tv plus blah 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 and i can yeah. see that it'll depend on price as well because at the moment 4.99 a month it's the cheapest streaming service out there so if you're getting that for that price, you're doing pretty well. True. Compared to, you know, what, what sports subscriptions often cost. Um, and you, it's funny you mentioned News Plus, Tyler, because it, you know, you say it hasn't done all that well. Um, equally, you know, when they launched, they said, oh, it's going to be in more countries soon. And, you know, two or three years later, it's, I, I don't know if they've expanded at all, have they? I don't think so. I don't believe so. You know what they really should do, though? If they want to do the sports thing and they want to do it right, how about exclusive rights to, like, the World Cup? Now, that would bring in people, you know, uh, here in the States. uh, Well, we call it soccer. Um, It's not as big of a thing, but you go to Europe, and and Dave, you can probably tell tell us this, too. The World Cup and um, what the rest of the world calls football is a really big deal. It's it's literally... The biggest sporting event in the world, officially, even bigger than the Olympics. So yeah, <laughs> that would be huge. Mm-hmm. I think it's generally been Fox and NBC and those guys um, who've had the rights over the years. So yeah, definitely an interesting space. And if you're wondering, the MLB is going to be available in eight countries. Um, they are US, Canada, Australia, UK, and then I think there was Korea, Japan, and two others I forget. So eight countries to begin with, and then I, again they've said they'll expand beyond that. But I think the U.S. and Canada get more content than the other countries. Mm. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense if they're doing Friday night baseball. But you know, the problem is, is that for anybody uh, and in Europe or the Middle East or anywhere like that or Africa, I know Africa is not included at all in the list of countries, but that's the middle of the night over there. You know, I don't think too many people are going to be watching baseball at one or two o'clock in the morning. You say that and it, yeah, baseball probably isn't the biggest one because NFL, had they got that, could have been a different story because NFL has become more and more popular in Europe. Um, There's even talk of, you know, there being a a team in London at some point actually based in London, you know, so the, and people do stay up quite late watching that. (laughs) Well, the thing about the NFL is that most of their games, not all, most of them are afternoon games here in the States, which would be evening over in Europe. So that kind of makes sense, right? Because people don't have to stay up unless you want to catch the Monday night or Sunday night game. Mm. Uh, you don't have to stay up until 
three o'clock in the morning, you know, so um, football actually makes a little more sense. Although if you want to watch the Super Bowl, hate to break it to you, you'll be up late. Yeah, I've tried a couple of times, but I usually fail. <laughs> so uh, that's Apple TV Plus anyway. I think, I in a general sense, I would say I, th- I still think Apple TV is a really good service and getting better. That catalog is getting bigger and bigger. And um, yeah, I, I do actually recommend it to people. But mm-hmm. yeah, we can move on from Apple TV Plus. They made a quick announcement about iPhone 13, which is simply two new colors. This is something, a rumor I hadn't seen until maybe yesterday. It suddenly popped out. Um, both green. So an iPhone 13 in green and 13 Pro in Alpine green. Is that correct? Alpine green. That's right. Hey, how's yeah. that different? Didn't we have midnight green last year? Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember. I believe so. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, look, we have a new, we'll just change the color by Alpine green. I was like, ah, okay. And where do they come up with these names? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. That, um, I, I know people like colors and they always want more colors. And so the more colors, it's just kind of funny. They have to make this like, make it big in a keynote. And we have green, Alpine green. And that actually made it in the keynote. And it's like, really, do you need to do that? I mean, that could have just had a, a PR article on and say, hey, mm-hmm. green's now available. I don't. I think you would get the, the same excitement, which is really not there. Yeah. yeah. But they need to express it with terms like these vibrant, beautiful colors. <laughs> they need to express it, you know, in a way that, yeah. That's why they have the Best name. I think that's ever. why they have the names yeah. like Midnight or Starlight or whatever they, what other names they use is because it's things like green and gray or black. It's comparatively boring for someone who's interested, you know. That's true. Yeah. I so think maybe, my problem, yeah, Tyler. I think, is I forgot to drink the Kool-Aid before, so maybe it would have been a lot better. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Samsung do too. Like they've got like, I don't know, amazing red and <laughs> things like that as well. So <laughs> so it's all part of the game. I, in fairness, Tom, I don't think they'd have um, done it. I think this was because they were doing an announcement anyway <laughs> sort of situation. Yeah. We may as well mention it. Um, yeah. The main iPhone announcement, and I think probably the main thing we're going to be interested in talking about was iPhone SE 3, if that's what we're calling it, or third gen SE. So it has the A15 Bionic chip, so the same as the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. Um, That means it will support things like live text and some of those uh, AI kind of features that maybe we're missing from uh, previous versions. It comes in three colors, which are Midnight, Starlight, and Product Red. I don't know if that's Midnight Blue, Midnight Green, or Midnight something else. They just said Midnight. Um, it's got the Touch ID button. I get the impression it's exactly the same body as the previous SE. So have your Touch ID home button. 5G, which they didn't actually bang on a bit too much, but they did mention. And uh, better camera, on-device Siri, and yeah, they're kind of the highlights of it, available from $429. So, guys, what do we think? Scott, you're an SE fan. I'm uh, I'm debating which one to get, actually. She's a cut to the chase. By the way, just to, because I don't know if it was clear in the presentation, but I saw a couple articles uh, between then and now. The 5G support for the SE3 is not going to include the millimeter bands. So it only includes the lower frequencies, which um, 
I'm not really sure even now how much people would miss the millimeter bands because they're kind of flaky. You know, you have to be within a very specific area to get them to work and to make them go fast. Uh, you know, whereas the lower bands are definitely slower, but the range is better. So I think it's good that, you know, they at least included the lower bands. I'm not really that excited about 5G myself. Maybe I'm old. I don't know. I'm like you. I don't I, care about it at all. Right. I mean, I have 4G and I'm happy with it. If I get 5G, it's a bonus. But, you know, it's not something I'm going to. Well, that phone has 5G. I better go with that, you know. So um, that's the only sort of drawback or sort of misleading thing, you know, if you're somebody that wants those millimeter bands. But as an SE2 owner, I'm going for the upgrade, mostly because of Touch ID and the faster processor. What I like about the processor and what I've been finding I, I don't know, uh, like in theory, but I know in practice anyway, um, the faster the processor, the better the Bluetooth works for whatever reason. So, and I have a little bit of uh, issues with Bluetooth now with both my braille display and hearing aids. So I'm hoping the SE3, like the 12 mini, uh, I won't have those issues and that would be great. Cool, cool, yeah, hopefully. Um... Thomas, you're like at 13 or 12. What are you on nowadays? And have you ever been tempted to go back? I got the 12 Pro. Um, No, I'm not going to go with the SE, but I tell you, Dave, this phone is still an incredible phone. Don't get me wrong. For a budget entry phone, you get 5G with it and you get the latest, greatest processor, which, you know, when you look at any budget Android line, you get this subpar processor. You're Mm -hmm. getting the top of line chip that you can find on the Pro, which is on an SC for a lot less price. Um, the price factor, I, I like that it went to four twenty nine. dollars So it, they did increase the price uh, by 30 bucks, which was not something unheard of, but some people were hoping it would be like $299 mark, but you know, Apple isn't gonna do that. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, some of the tidbits I heard too, um, some of the things just to note is that it does support a lot of the iOS 15 uh, features that you couldn't get before. So that's that's a bonus because you're getting that chip. Um, the 5G, yes, you get the sub six. You don't get the five millimeter wave. No big deal on that. However, I am a huge 5G fan here myself because I got great reception. Just to give you an idea, I was probably getting anywhere from 10 to 30 megabits when I was on my LTE. Now I'm getting anywhere from 120 to 400 megabits on my 5G. So five, 400 megabits, I don't know, guys, compared to 40. Yes, I realize a lot of people say I'm not going to see much of this, but man, you can see it when you download videos and stuff. It's just like, boom. So I think that's a big deal. And being on a budget phone, I think that's going to be huge. Now, some of the tidbits, like you noticed that there was no ceramic shield on the glass. They didn't mention, so it doesn't have that. Um, I was kind of surprised that it's not MagSafe compatible. Um, I thought they at least put some sort of a MagSafe on it, but they did not. Other than that, it's a fantastic phone, Touch ID, and the whole nine yards. I was happy in what I heard. Was there anything in there that I wasn't expecting? Not really. Camera is so-so. It's not as good as 12 or 13, so you don't get that cinematic. Not anybody would be able to do cinema photography. Um, 
but still for a bit a budget fund i think is the best deal out there yeah i'd agree i think it's a really solid phone for the price i mean that the fact i think i think when you called it out there that it's the same processor as the 13 like in a budget phone <laughs> you just don't get that generally speaking, yeah, you just you know? don't it's one processor for all three lines it's like wow that's awesome right there yeah. And of course, Touch ID is a big thing for a lot of people, especially like Scott. You're really big on the Touch ID thing a lot, oh, aren't you? I am. I'm not really big on the Face ID because you know my face is so ugly. Like that, that I would probably have to, <laughs> you know, take a picture of the backside, not the front, to make it mm. work. Uh, but I've always been more of a Touch ID fan because I don't take my phone out of my pocket. It always is in my pocket, so you know it just makes a lot more sense for someone who's using their phone for through a braille display or even a bluetooth keyboard maybe depending on how their system you know how they have their things set up but um that was my big problem with face id was that i had to take the phone out of my pocket and you know uh activate it that way you know i could just reach in my pocket and i have both of my thumbs uh as prints on touch id so it it's really just nice and easy and convenient. I know it's not the most modern thing, but for me, it's the most functional, and that's really what's important. I just couldn't go back to not having the whole screen be a be screen, the whole front be screen. That's the bit that stops me. I do like Touch ID. I have like a Pixel phone that has um, a Google one that has Touch ID on the back, and it's great. But yeah, um, you know that's that's one of the things. I mean. Why can't Apple do that? You know, um, I know we're Apple, but Apple based or Apple focused, but, you know, like the Samsung phones, they have an iris scanner, they have face ID or whatever they call it, I guess just facial recognition and the touch ID type thing on the back of the phone. Why can't, why can't we have all of those worlds on our iPhones? We will. Apple just has to just do everything first so they can get the money out of it. And then they'll start adding two things together and it'll mm. put three things together it's, it's all in the roadmap i <laughs> that's what i think hopefully i have to agree with you that's exactly <laughs> what it is tyler what about yourself oh so i have an iphone se 2020 like scott um and i'm on the fence right now what i'm gonna do i'm in maine i'm um, just outside of portland maine and i'm not sure exactly what the situation is in the area with 5g deployments i know carriers nationally are banging the drum to death over 5g and ultra fast and ultra wideband and c-band and other marketing i don't know if they're just marketing terms or what distinguish i mean obviously there's sub six gigahertz and millimeter wave but obviously the new se doesn't include millimeter wave but regardless i'm gonna try and do a little research on what the situation is in the area around 5g deployments um because i if if there isn't 5G, it really doesn't um, doesn't make. I, I wouldn't upgrade for something that I can't really take advantage of in my day to day life. But by the same token, even if I can use 5G in the area for what I use my phone for, particularly when I leave my house, LTE is more than sufficient. Like I don't experience slowness or any kind of performance, any any meaningfully meaningful delay when using LTE. And I don't really, I mean, ever since COVID and maybe even before COVID, I don't, you know, if I use the internet, I'm, I'm more often than not, I'm at home on Wi-Fi. Um, so I'm not sure what benefit, what immediate benefit 5G would have. Um, 
the A15 processor, that's also interesting. You know, it's it's two iterations above the A13, so I could get a decent boost in performance. Um, my SE with the A13, it handles my needs well, and I'm not a Braille user, so I can't speak to that. But like as far as Bluetooth, I have one Bluetooth device that I use constantly. It's a hearing aid streamer. Um, but if if Bluetooth reliability is better, I mean, it's pretty reliable. But you know, any any increase in reliability or decrease in latency, you know, with upgraded processors is welcome for my use case, particularly if I get new made for iPhone hearing aids in the near future, which I'm hoping to do um, to replace the streamer and just use the hearing aids. And that will um, involve, that will be, you know, just direct Bluetooth from phone to hearing aids. Um, So I need as much reliability for that as I can get. So, and that's the case then. And if I hear that there is improved reliability, then I'll definitely consider it. Um, But as of right now, I'm on the fence. Cool, cool. Well, and if I can just step in for a second and say what I can tell you, Tyler, and I don't think the the Bluetooth chips themselves have really changed much over the last few years. Mm-hmm. They may have, and maybe I'm not aware, but I can tell you uh, the eight I had all kinds of problem with problems with. The ten R I had was a little less. The SE twenty twenty has been less, and I was uh, messing around with the twelve mini which I have for my research facility. And I pretty much had no issue with Bluetooth, even with both the Braille display and uh, my hearing aids connected. So uh, if you're kind of struggling a little bit with the Bluetooth on your hearing aids, it might be worth consideration. And since I'm getting one. Uh, yeah, it's yeah interesting because, yeah, because normally I don't struggle with Bluetooth. Um, I mean, it's, it's usually pretty reliable, except I have a I have a Phonak compiler. That's the product I'm using. That it's mm-hmm. like the end. yeah, and so I'll have my hearing aids in my ear. And sometimes when I'm working out, that antenna, you know, it'll it'll get jostled a little. And sometimes a subtle movement on when I'm say working out on the elliptical will cause a bit of a stutter if I'm listening to music. Um, and again, that's not a huge deal for me, but um, it, it's definitely something to consider. Um, especially if I get, um, if I do away with the streamer and get, you know, direct Bluetooth hearing aids, um, where that will pair up, you know, pair up directly to the phone. Um, cause I know reliability with that. I've heard mixed reports from various users about the reliability, you know, of voiceover and hearing aids, which is a, that's a whole nother discussion, but yeah. Um, so that's sort of the, so that's my thinking at this point. Yeah. And the compilot is kind of a, I guess I wouldn't quite call it obsolete, but it's been around a long time. Yeah. And um, it's from what I could tell anyway, it seems like it's gotten better. The latency with Bluetooth is a lot less than it was, say, in iOS 12, you know, so it's got that going for it. Um, But, you know, pretty much, like I said, the iPhone 12 and up, I've not really had any issues with in terms of Bluetooth and, you know, like one hearing aid dropping out or the other one, you know, which is really annoying. Yeah, that's what I've heard from people is that there are sort of, I've heard sporadic reports and I don't know, you probably know more about that than I do, but yeah. I will definitely be interested to hear what what the community at large thinks of this. I think the SE is really a very popular um, iPhone in the blind community. So uh, definitely interested to see how how this update is received and how it sells. So the one thing about the SE that I didn't, wasn't clear on is they said that battery life has improved. Now, I was just watching the Twitter 
feed because I was doing other things. But did they they didn't really say how much, did they? How much it would improve. They just said, yeah, the battery life is better. I didn't yeah, even hear guys. battery life. I heard something like battery technology is improved or something. <laughs> no, I heard it. the battery life has improved. I mean, obviously, you're coming from a new processor. If I had to guess, it'd be 10 to 15% better. That's just a, an assumption, but that's probably a, a good ballpark figure. I didn't hear a great deal of specificity in the keynote about that. They did mention that there. State-of-the-art battery chemistry and... I think what they were the A15 in comparison to the A13 is, is better efficiency, um, and it's maybe if that better efficiency um, could translate to better battery life. Um, well, that's what I think that that's what I think they were driving at in that. Because yeah, the 13 Mini got a better battery, but has better battery life than the 12 Mini in exactly the same small you know chassis. Yeah. So it's probably a similar just yeah improvement in the a processor augmentation. Hmm. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Now, also getting 5G and a new processor was the iPad Air, the fifth generation. So it's got now a M1 chip. So like the iPad Pro and some of the new Macs that have come out over the last year or year and a half, it has the M1 chip instead of an A15 or A14 or whatever you may have expected. This is, they say, two times faster than the best-selling Windows machine in their price range. I always find these comparisons funny <laughs> because we never get a name. Um, but 60% faster than, um, you know, improved performance over the fourth gen. and has a front camera now that's 12 megapixels and has center stage. So like the iPad Pro and the regular iPad, they all now have center stage, which is the feature that where the camera kind of follows you a little bit. Um, if you move, as you move, it will uh, keep you in focus in the center of the picture. And as I said, 5G. So it's, um, yeah, it's a pretty decent update. I have an iPad fourth gen myself and uh, Air fourth gen that is. And yeah, really, really like it. I wouldn't be in any position to be upgrading it because it does absolutely everything I need as it is. But if you're buying an iPad, I think this is a really, really good option. What does anyone else think? I, boy, <laughs> putting an M1 in an in a smaller scale iPad. Wow, you know I thought that would be exclusive to the Pro, and so it. Man, you talk about stealing some thunder away from the Pro. Um, now for six ninety nine, you get an iPad Air with the M1 on it, and you I think get it's the five ninety nine. Five ninety nine. Okay, um, so you get the Apple Pencil two support with that. I was like, wow, this is pretty good. You know, I always say, and I can see this being great for those that are in productivity area, as in graphical artists to uh, movies and things like that. You, you can take and utilize this chip. Otherwise, I think a standard person is, is going to be so, you're not going to even be able to use half of that power if you know what i mean a basic user probably wouldn't would only use the tip of the iceberg what that thing can do but what a great price factor for something huge and fast as just amazing so i i was glad to see that i was a little bit surprised at that um the camera update didn't surprise me they were just trying to upgrade all the ipads to the 12 megapixel so overall um i think the m1 with the biggest push and sale for this 
iPad Air. I find myself if I was going to get an iPad and I'm not, but if I was going to, I'm thinking, well, pretty much anything I would have wanted out of an iPad Pro is in this new fifth generation iPad uh, Air. Why would I bother with a Pro? <laughs> I don't exactly. for myself. I really don't see um, any major uh, it's factor really that would cause me to even think about an iPad Pro now, which is yeah. good for me, but bad for Apple. Yeah, it's really like Face ID instead of Touch ID, because um, this still has Touch ID in the power button. And LiDAR, maybe? Is that? Is there anything else? Maybe that... the screen 11. <laughs> like, is the iPad Air, Is it? am I correct that it's a 10.5-inch? And oh. the iPad Pro, you can get an 11-inch screen or a 12.9, something like that. Um, it's more iPad marketing over the years is confusing, I find, mm-hmm. in compared to their other, other brands. But yeah, um, is that accurate? Do I have I can't, those specs? I can't honestly remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm just wondering with this iPad, if I was going to get one, which I'm not, but um, you have to wonder what Apple's endgame is with when you're putting the M1, a very powerful chip, in an iPad. And in this case, not even the top level pro iPad, because right now with iPad OS, it seems largely underutilized what the, the potential of the M1 versus what the, the software potential of iPad OS, there is a big gap there. So you have to wonder what Apple plans to do with all of this power, all this computational power that they're putting in the iPad. What are they planning to do with iPad OS? Are they going to bring their own pro apps like Final Cut, Logic, you know, Xcode, those types of things to the iPad? Or because um, well, I know other developers have like Adobe, just, uh, you know, Adobe products for the iPad and other types of things, but they're going to really turn it, if Apple is going to really turn it up, um, then if they could bring their own pro apps to the iPad. And if there were certain ways where they could, make ipad os more but there were certain things they could do with ipad os to make it more you know pro level um you know some add some pro level features um, to really take advantage of that chip we will see a wd i i i'm i'm pretty certain in wdc we're gonna see probably a big bump in the ipad os 16 i bet we'll see some more stuff Davis, I love your optimism because we've been having that conversation for five years now (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's true, yeah. <laughs> hey, wh- I don't know. Is it just me, or does this mean sometime in a couple of years we might see an M1 on the phone? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> Think about that. Really, though, part of that is marketing, isn't it? An M1 and an A15 aren't all that different, except the M1 has some extra cores. You know what I mean? They're yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I got the GPU yeah, you level. don't know. It's almost makes sense, as you know, because now you have the iPad and you have the Mac line all in the same. Well, yes, there's variations of M1, which we'll be talking about soon here. But nonetheless, you're, they're all using the M1 technology. So the iPhone is now the last one that's not using the M1 technology. So it makes you wonder. Well, the entry level iPad is still an A as well. That's true. But you know those are going to be replaced probably this fall. Mm, we shall see. Yes. It's great for like if when I think about an M1 on an iPhone, and it would be certainly a, like a pro feature. But 
you know, when I think about when I used to do music production and stuff like that, I just it, it blows my mind that the, the stuff that they're coming up with now. I mean, you can do a set from your iPhone if you really wanted to. And this is I'm talking electronic music. I just even 10 years ago, I just it's it's come so far. It's so amazing that. Uh, oh, boy, I just used that Apple word. Amazing. But it really is the it fact is. that you can do a lot of the things uh, that you can do now on something that's, you know, fits into the palm of your hand. And, yeah. uh, you know, with if they put an M1 on the phone, and I do agree it would be a few years, um, that would be great for so many things, you know, that require a lot of processing power. But then are they going to have an M2 or an M3 or something more advanced on the iPad? Because they have to do something, you know, screen size alone. I don't know that that would really keep the iPad being successful. It'll be a mobile Mac, version. You know? it'll, be, it'll just be like M something. So M1 yeah. mobile. That's what they're probably calling. Could be. Yeah. I think whatever they call it, like they, they do seem to be streets ahead of the competition when it comes to processing. Oh, yeah. And they're just spinning around circles around them, which brings our next one. This is the big one. I thought it was pretty big. The Mac and the um, Mac, what is it called? The Mac Studio? Mac Studio. Studio Mac display. Studio. So yeah, they brought out the M1 Ultra. So we had the M1, then we had the M1 Pro and Max, and now we have the M1 Ultra. If I understood right, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it is in effect two M1 Maxes fused together in a sense. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Yeah, two my- Max oh. together fused together. Yeah. yeah, but it appears as yeah. one system on a chip to the software, high efficiency, high performance. I think I heard 24-core yep. processor and 64-core graphics. Yep. So really, really powerful chip. And the machine <laughs> is 3.7 inches times 7.7 inches in um, in it physically. <laughs> like, you know, it's a very small machine. It's like a, I don't know, an a Mac mini plus <laughs> i guess yeah i guess it's described or, or the this was kind of a last minute rumor that this mac studio would be coming out because for the longest time it was always like this an updated high-end mac mini but mm. this appears to be a mac mini mac pro hybrid that would that's what it was sort of touted as before you know people who had inside knowledge or scoops on this, we're describing it as the Mac Mini Mac Pro Hybrid. I mm. guess that's the best way to con- best way to conceptualize it. That's right. Yeah. So instead of the iMac, now we have Mac Mini, we have the Mac Studio, and then we have the Mac Pro. Correct. Yep. Which yeah. theoretically so, is a is a entry, middle, and top line. But at the moment, the middle, the Studio, is more powerful than the top, the Pro. <laughs> no, according to Apple's numbers. This is supposed to be the middle line, guys. So the Mac Pro, you know, they teased us at the end of the show. Mac Pro is coming. And I'm thinking, oh, man, if the Mac Studios was this big and that's the middle line. Oh, wow. I I wish, again, I was a fly in the Intel's boardroom. You know, Mm -hmm. they were just throwing stuff against the wall and cussing. (laughs) And there, there was like, it was incredible because the pricing on this, Dave, just was mind blowing to me because... I felt so bad for those that bought the MacBook Pro um, with the Pro chips. You know, they started, what, $2,500? And now you can get the M1 Max for less than that. 
like 500 bucks cheaper for 1999. I was like, wow, that's just blew my mind. Yeah. Well, notebooks are always more expensive, I suppose. Plus, yeah. I know, but this, it's, it's not even a max. It's like, I, I get that, but you'd think the price would be just a little bit cheaper on the, on the Mac book pro. If your process isn't any, it's not a max. And this thing is, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I'll be very interested what the pro, when the Mac Pro comes out. What's above Ultra? What what word can they use next? Mm. And then, you know, compared to the iMac or I'm sorry, the Mac Pro, when you cap that, you know, it started what five grand, and it, you can cap it out at fifteen grand. On this one, it starts at was it two thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars? I think one nine nine. I thought it was nineteen ninety nine. Well, for the um, Ultra. Oh, the Ultra was three two nine nine. Three nine nine nine. So it's a thousand bucks cheaper than what the mac pro started and it's faster than that plus if you want to load it out it's only eight thousand compared to fifteen thousand now i know i'm throwing numbers out like oh that's nothing but oh my mm-hmm. god that's so much money but you definitely know this is definitely for the high-end production um when it comes to music videos all that stuff that's just for those people this is not for yeah. the general user now they did try to tout that mac um the Mac Studio Max as being more of a general user. So I'm thinking, wow. It's a pretty high-end general user all the same. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. I'm guessing there's going to be some people who bought an M1 iMac who might be kind of scratching their head and thinking, I wish I'd held fire (laughs) now. I know. I I think they kind of knocked some some of the knees out of some people that they have already purchased the MacBook Pro and stuff like that, the other... Uh, Max, so they're probably like, ah, oh, what the heck? And so soon. Yeah, it does. It looks cool. I think if you want a a desktop and not an iMac, not an all-in-one, this looks like an amazing machine. I still hey. think the Mac Mini will still be great for uh, most of us who do just regular things. But exactly, and you know, you can't um, fuss about the monitor. I mean, yeah, the monitor's still what two grand, but hey, that comes with the stand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in is the new new studio display was is it fifteen ninety nine, U S dollars? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but then there's so. a stand. There's something that the nano glass texture. Don't really know what that is, but um, it, it's something, um, well, display related. But I, again, I don't. It's yeah. like something like three hundred dollars, and the stand is what is it four hundred dollars for the stand or, or the adjustable stand or something. The old ones used to be like a grand just for the stand this stand oh my is already, god yeah yeah so this is already built into the into the monitor so the stand comes with it so for 14 well no it was a little higher i can't remember it was 15.99 for the monitor. i think yeah and so that comes with the stand um i was surprised they put what did they say they put an a13 processor inside of that i was like wow um yeah. of course I mean, for that price, you you want everything. I mean, it's a 5K Retina, which is beautiful, I'm sure. And got all the microphones, got the camera, but you got to buy that separately. Um, still, that's pretty high um, compared when you have to put out two grand just for the new line. But regardless, I'm pretty impressed by the Mac Studios. I can't wait to see the Mac Pro. Not that I don't think most of our listeners will ever get a Mac Pro, but. I, I could see some people getting the Mac Studio. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could see some people. So I think that was big. I thought that was huge for what 
this ultra thing that just blew my mind okay so the max studio it's it's a very high end definitely not it's definitely above my use case and it's not something i'll be getting um even if i did have the money for it um the m1 ultra that's interesting they're calling it ultra fusion and it's they made it sound like from the presentation that it was like two physical chips but to the software it was one logic one logical chip so um i don't know exactly how they do that um i i'm gonna look for a deep dive at some point to see if i can get more information into actually how that works because that just sounds whether you know regardless of whether or not i actually want it it just sounds like an interesting concept um it kind of reminds me a little of you remember fusion drives where you'd have a hard drive and an ssd you know two physical discs you know into one fused into one logical volume so that's what it sounds like this is sounds similar to that um the ultra so that's and it made it sound from the presentation it made it sound like that was the last thing in the m1 lineup they said they need one you know they have the m1 the m1 pro the m1 max and then they need one more member of the m1 family so that's with that being the ultra i would assume that something like a mac pro and other macs you know, to come later this year and beyond, we'll use something like M2, and then maybe it'll be, you know, a similar cycle, you know, M2 for the MacBook Air and those low-end or, you know, low-end iMac or whatever, and then M2 Pro, M2 Max, and then M2 Ultra for the Mac Pro, which they did mention, yeah, like someone said earlier, they did mention that they said the only product left is the Mac Pro, and that's for another day. Uh, one thing that I found interesting is that the Mac Mini, if I'm not mistaken, is still the, the high-end, quote, high-end Intel Mac Mini is still available for purchase alongside that. And I'm wondering if that's if still that, there. If that's temporary or what are they? I would assume they would have discontinued that, but maybe they're doing it for affordability options or for people who want more than an M1 Mini, but... No way. I think they'll replace it. I, I think it's yeah. temporary, but you're yeah, right. Because that is, yeah. Because um, then there's that. And then, of course, the Mac Pro is the only one that hasn't really been transitioned because I saw they discontinued the 27-inch iMac. Um, so if you're getting an iMac, it's going to be a 24-inch M1. Um, so, yeah, the Mac Pro, that's, you know, that's the only thing that hasn't been transitioned to Apple Silicon. Yeah. I expect there to be another iMac um a 27-inch iMac on the M1 yeah. or M2. Yeah, I saw the yeah, I I saw a report today the Intel version of the 20 that was previously available the Intel 27-inch which was previously alongside the 24-inch M1 um has been discontinued but I would expect some probably maybe the summer or fall we'll be seeing some 27-inch iMac or perhaps they'll call it an iMac Pro. Um, mm-hmm. we, you know, however they decide to brand that. Um, and I respect that would maybe include, you know, either, an, I don't know if that would be an M2 or an, or an M1 Pro slash Max slash yeah. Ultra. Perhaps. The number might know. go up to M2, but I think it'll be the Pro and the Max in that one. Yeah. Maybe it could be the iMac Studio. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> and who knows? The Mac Pro might have two Ultras or three Ultras <laughs> or something in it. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Or else they'll yeah. call it like Ultra, the Ultra M- Fusion. Yeah, or the, <laughs> the M1 Atomic or the M1. <laughs> so there's always room for another. Ultra Fusion Squared. But I think you're right, Tyler. My understanding is actual two M1 Mac chip. They just were able to fuse it or bridge it to run as a single chip. 
mm-hmm. but it's not a yeah. physical chip, I think. Yeah, it's a logical one logical chip, chip two physical chips, or at so least that's my understanding of it. The from. software sees it as one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of everything they, they announced today. Um if I picked up right, everything is out on March eighteenth. Some of them were available. I think the Macs are available to order today. Um but coming out come out on the 18th and the iPhone and iPad, I believe are pre-order from Friday this week um, and available again on the 18th. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. I, I promise you, you jump on those if you want to, because I bet you they're going to go fast, just like the iPad, um, the mini, how they have such a slog of problems with the supply chain mm-hmm. that it's back order big time. So jump on if you want it quickly and don't forget the 15th is we will see the iOS 15.4 drop. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, the other thing too, with the, I tell you, it, it's tough for me on the East coast. I had to get up at three in the morning to uh pre-order, Ugh. but I'm going to do it <laughs> on the SE only. Oh, for your SE. So you are going to get your SE three. Oh, good job. I think. Yes, be great. sir. Yeah, that is my next hearing. iPhone. In fact, um, I uh, because, you know, the rumors, this is the first time I've ever made a, you know, gambled on a rumor. But when they started saying that the, you know, the body is going to be the same as the SE2, mm-hmm. I went ahead and got a Mophie case for the SE2, which I can now use on the SE3. So that'll be good. Okay. So even if the battery life is awful, hmm. and I don't think it will be at first, but, I, you know, as time goes on, it will be. I'll still be able to basically double my battery life, which on this SE2, I have to. Like, I can't get through a full day. It says the SE, I know there's been a slight camera change on the SE3, meaning they want the two lens, obviously. You never know about those camera lens. I'd be curious if it will be the same. Let's hope it is. But I know they made a slight change on the back with the camera. Like a camera bump? Yeah, that can the the bump may be the same though because if it's the square, it may have mm. the same square cut out. May not be okay, but it may not. It's like no. with the uh, was it the iPad Pro last year? They made it like a millimeter thicker, and then it didn't fit the the keyboard yep. thing properly. <laughs> so yep, these things can oh, happen. Boy. <laughs> so Dave, you still on the for... twelve Pro Mini or the twelve Pro mi- twelve, the 12 mini. mini? Twelve Mini, yeah. Are you going to go with the SE? No, because I I don't want to go back to the to the chin and the borders all around the phone. I like the full screen phone. <laughs> it is funny how people like the chin. Some people don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think I could go back to the chin. I, I've gotten so used to you being able to use the bottom portion of my screen and not have to worry about it. It's full size mm-hmm. screen. Now, what about you, Tyler? Are you going to go with the 3.0 or are you going to stick with your 2.0? I'm going to do a little research and... Uh, and take it from there. I'm going to sort of play it by ear. Do it, Tyler. Uh, I'm going to be the me? devil on your shoulder and tell you just go for okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Cool. Anyone else? Anything else for anyone else, as they say? Nope. Nope. I think... It pretty much covers it. Yeah. I think the only thing I'll add is that most of the things that came out of here was not of a surprise. It's the iPhone and the iPad it was mostly what I thought it was going to be. I didn't real the MLB was kind of a cool announcement for those that really care about that. 
Um, the M1 and the iPad was cool. And the Mac Studios, well, for most of us, we're never going to get it, but it was just kind of entertaining and um, fun to listen to. Yeah, but we're forgetting about the racing game coming to Apple oh, Arcade. That's right. <laughs> well, next month, we can take advantage of a new racing game that we can't use. On that note, I am going to say thank you very much, Tyler. Thank you, Scott. And thank you, Thomas, for joining me on this podcast today. My name is Dave Nason, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Applevis podcast has been brought to you by the community of Applevis.com for the latest in resources and tips and tricks to get you the best experience from your Apple device. Visit www.applevis.com.